I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, uh, another week's gone by, and I haven't recorded what I thought I was going to record, but uh, who cares? Uh, it's my podcast. I can record or not record whenever I damn well please. So, also my kids were around and they kind of ruined it. So anyways, uh, that's pretty much it. Nothing else exciting going on. I think I gotta figure out something new for my intros. Uh, because thanks to COVID, there's just nothing. Um, COVID, people like to pretend doesn't exist anymore. And to a degree, I also want to pretend it didn't exist anymore. Uh, over the summer, I found myself getting together uh, with friends a little more. And that kind of thing. And uh, just sort of, I was allowing myself to uh, let it fade into the background. I would go out to eat uh, with my sister and brother-in-law uh, at restaurants where they did social distancing outside. But now that fall's here and it's freaking cold out, uh, sitting outside isn't really an option anymore when it's like 30 degrees. And uh, having a hamburger doesn't seem the same when it's freezing out. So, uh, yeah, suddenly the reality's setting in. Plus our president has COVID now, so no one can deny that it exists anymore. Uh, so, yeah, the reality's kind of setting back in. I think the cold winter is uh, reminding everyone the seriousness of it. I find people talking about it more, uh, especially after the funeral. Everyone is kind of worried about if they're going to get it. And so, uh, yeah, it's kind of become a reality all over again, where we all try to sort of pretend it didn't happen. But uh, one way I could never forget that it didn't happen is that I had nothing to talk about in my intros. I used to live an exciting life. Uh... Oh, just thinking back to things I witnessed, like a car crash or, uh, you know, going out drinking with friends and watching them making uh, idiots out of themselves. But now uh, I got nothing to say from week to week, except uh, work sucks and uh, those uh, home projects are pretty much the totality of my existence. So, new intros. I got to figure out something different. Uh, maybe I'll do an intro called In the News. No... That would suck. Why would you want to hear about that for a book podcast? For the few people that listen, I don't know. I'll noodle it for a while. Uh, my niece and I sort of talked at one point about doing a podcast together. Uh, maybe she's got some ideas, because God knows I don't. Well, in either case, uh, it's October, my favorite month of the year. So it's going to be spooky stories all month. So I'm going to start off with a new one uh, from a collection of... Uh, Victorian age horror which I find usually to not be that uh, scary and just kind of more tedious but uh, we're going to read one that I picked out of a collection and uh, kind of go from there and we'll see what happens but with that let's uh, dive into the story
This week's author is George MacDonald. Uh, born the 10th of December, 1824, and died the 18th of September, 1905. He was a Scottish author, a poet, and a Christian minister. Often regarded as the founding father of modern fantasy writing, he was a pioneering figure in the field of modern fantasy literature and the mentor of fellow writer uh, Lewis Carroll. In addition to his fairy tales, eh, weird, MacDonald wrote several works of Christian theology, including several collections of sermons. C.S. Lewis wrote that he regarded MacDonald as his master. After picking up a copy of Fantasies one day at a train station, uh, he says, I began to read a few hours later. Uh, I knew that I had crossed a great frontier. Uh, G.K. Chesterton cited uh, The Princess and the Goblin as a book that had made a, quote, difference to my whole existence, which is intriguing. Something called The Princess and the Goblin has changed his whole existence. So I feel like I should read that at some point. Elizabeth Yates uh, wrote of Sir Jibby, It moved me the way books did when, as a child, the great gates of literature began to open and first encounters with noble thoughts and utterances were unspeakably thrilling. So apparently this guy can write the weirdest stuff and uh, it's changing people's lives. So I guess I should probably dive more into his works. Hopefully this one we read tonight will be just as moving. Even Mark Twain, who initially disliked MacDonald, became friends with him. And there is some evidence that Twain was influenced by him. Uh, the Christian author Oswald Chambers wrote in his Christian Disciplines that it is a striking indication of the trend and shallowness of the modern reading public uh, that George MacDonald's books have been so neglected. So there you go. Apparently George MacDonald is the best writer in the entire world. So... We're going to read a short story of his today, uh, I believe called The Nurse's Story. Wrong again, uh, it's called The Old Nurse's Story, from the book The Portent, by George MacDonald. I set out uh, one evening for the cottage of my old nurse uh, to bid her goodbye for many months, uh, probably years. I was to leave the next day for Edinburgh, on my way to London, whence I had to repair by coach uh, my, to my new abode. Almost to me, like the land beyond the grave, so little did I know about it, uh, and so wide was the separation between it and my home. And the evening was uh, uh, sultry when I began to walk, and before I arrived to its head, uh, the clouds rising from all quarters of the horizon, and especially gathering around the peaks of the mountain, betokened... Uh, the near approach of a thunderstorm. Oh, this is a great delight to me. Gladly would I take leave of my home, uh, with the memory of a last night of tumultuous magnificence, followed probably uh, by a day of weeping rain, well suited to the mood uh, of my own heart in the bidding farewell to the best parents and dearest of homes. Besides, in common with most Scotchmen, uh, Oh, Scotchmen, not Scots. Okay, that threw me off a little bit there. Who are young and hardly enough to, to be unable to realize the existence of uh, coughs and rheumatic fevers. It was positive pleasure uh, to me to be out in the rain, uh, hail or snow. I am come to bid you goodbye, Margaret, and to hear the story uh, which you promised to tell me before I left home. Uh, I go tomorrow. Uh, do you go so soon? 
My darling, well, it will be an awful night to tell it in, but as I promised, I suppose I must. At the moment, two or three great drops of rain, uh, the first of the storm, fell down the wide chimney, exploding in the clear turf fire. Yes, indeed, you must, I replied. After a short pause, uh, she commenced, of course. Uh, she spoke in Gaelic, and I translate from my recollection of the Gaelic, uh, but rather from the impression left upon my mind than from any recollection of words. Uh, she drew a chair near the fire, which we had no reason to fear, ha-ha, would soon be put out by the falling rain, and began. Uh, how the story is, I don't know. It has uh, come down through many generations. My grandmother uh, told it to me as I tell it to you. And uh, her mother uh, and my mother sat beside, uh, never interrupting, uh, but nodding their heads at every turn. Almost it ought to begin like the fairy tales once upon a time. It took place, oh, so long ago. Uh, but it's dreadful and uh, too true to tell like a fairy tale. There were uh, two brothers, uh, sons of the chief of our clan, uh, but as different in appearance and disposition as two men could be. Oh, the elder was fair-haired and strong, uh, much given to hunting and fishing, uh, fighting, too, upon occasion, I dare say, uh, when they made a foray upon the Saxon to get back a mouthful of their own. But he was uh, gentleness itself to everyone about him, and the very soul of honor in all his doings. The younger was very dark in complexion, and tall and slender compared to his brother. Uh, he was very fond of book learning, uh, which they say was an uncommon taste in those times. He did not uh, care for any uh, sports or bodily exercises, but, uh, but one. And that, too, was unusual in these parts. Burp. It was horsemanship. Ha! Ah. He was a fierce rider, and as much at home in the saddle as uh, his study chair. Oh, you may think that so long ago there's not such room for riding hereabouts, but fit or not fit, he rode. Uh, from his reading and writing, the neighbors looked uh, doubtfully upon him and whispered about the black art. Oh, he usually uh, bestrode a great powerful black horse without a white hair on him. And people said it was either uh, uh, the devil himself or a demon horse uh, from the devil's own stud. What favored this notion was that an uh, hour out of the stable, the, the brute would let no other than his master go near him. Ooh, indeed, known adventure, after he had killed two men and grievously maimed a third, uh, tearing him with his teeth and hooves like a wild beast. But to his master, he was obedient as a hound. It would even, uh, ooh, tremble in his presence sometimes. Uh, the youth's temper... Corresponded to his habits, uh, he was both gloomy oh, and passionate. Uh, prone to anger, uh, he had never been known to forgive. Debarred from anything on which he had set his heart, uh, he would have gone mad with longing if he had not gone mad with rage. Oh, his soul was like the night around us now, dark and ooh, sultry and silent, uh, but lighted up by the red leaven of wrath and uh, torn by the bellowings of thunder passion. I must have his will, hell might have his soul. Imagine then the rage and malice in his heart uh, when he suddenly became aware that an orphan girl, uh, distantly related to them, who had lived with them for nearly two years and for whom he had loved, our cross, distantly related, stop it. For almost all that period, he loved, was loved by his elder brother. Oh, and loved him in return, gross. He flung his right hand above his head and swore, oh, a terrible oath, 
that if he might not, his brother should not, rushed out of the house and galloped off among the hills. Uh, the orphan? Uh, was beautiful, tall, pale and slender, with a plentiful dark hair, which, when released from the snood, rippled down below her knees. That's weird. Her appearance formed a strong contrast with that of her favorite lover. Well, uh, there was some resemblance between her and the uh, younger brother, Gross. Uh, the fact seemed uh, to his fierce selfishness, ground for a prior claim. It may appear strange uh, that a man like him should not have had instant recourse to a superior and hidden knowledge, uh, by means of which he might have got rid of his rival with far more certainty and less of risk. But I presume uh, that for the moment... His passion overwhelmed his consciousness of skill. Yet I do not suppose that he foresaw the mode in which his hatred was about to operate. At the moment, uh, when he learned their mutual attachment, uh, probably through a domestic, uh, the lady was on her way to meet her lover as he returned from the day's sport. The appointed place uh, was on the edge of a deep rocky ravine, uh, down in whose dark bosom brawled and foamed in a little mountain torrent. Oh, you know the place, Duncan, my dear, I dare say. Here she gave me a minute, a minute description of the spot with directions on how to find it. Uh, whether anyone saw what I'm about to relate or whether it was put together afterwards, I cannot tell. This story is like an old tree, uh, so old that it lost its marks of its growth. Uh, but it's, it's how my grandmother told it to me. An evil chance led him in the right direction. Oh, the lovers, startled by the sound of an approaching horse, because they're related and they're not supposed to be making out, uh, parted in opposite directions along a narrow mountain path on the edge of the ravine. Into this path he struck at a point near where the lovers had met, but to opposite sides which they had now uh, receded, so that he was between them uh, on the path. Uh, we get it. Turning his horse up the course of the stream... Uh, he soon came in sight of this brother on the ledge before him. With a suppressed scream of rage, uh, he rode headlong at him, and ere had time to make the least defense, hurled him over the precipice. What, he butted him with the horse? I mean, it's not like the horse is a car. The horse can see that it's going to run into someone. Usually it would probably, like, stop. Uh, though this horse does kill people with its teeth and hooves. The helplessness of the strong man was uttered into one single despairing cry as he shot into the abyss. Uh, and then all was still. Uh, the sound of the fall could not reach the edge of the gulf. Uh, divining in a moment that the lady, whose name was Elise, uh, must have fled in the opposite direction, he reined his steed on his haunches. That he could touch the precipice with his bridle hand half outreached, his sword hand half outstretched, would have dropped a stone to the bottom of the ravine. Ah, there's no room to wheel. One desperate practicality uh, alone remained. Turning his horse's head uh, toward the edge, he compelled him, by means of the powerful bit, to rear till he stood almost erect, and so his body swaying over the gulf with quivering and straining muscles, uh, to turn on its hind legs. This is a lot of description about just turning a horse around. Having completed the half-circle, <laughs> he let him drop and urged him furiously in the opposite direction. That was a lot of space given just for the turning around of a horse. It must have been by the devil's own care that he was able to continue his gallop along that ledge of rock. I soon caught sight of the maiden. She was leaning, half-fainting, against the precipice. She had heard her lover's last cry, and uh, although it conveyed no suggestion of uh, his voice 
to her ear, she trembled from head to foot, and her limbs could bear her no further. I checked his speed, rode gently up to her, and lifted her, unresisting, laid her across the shoulders of the horse, and, riding carefully till he reached a more open path, dashed again wildly along the mountainside, and the lady's long hair was shaken loose, and dropped, uh, trailing on the ground. This horse must not be very high off the ground. The horse trampled upon it and stumbled, half-dragging her uh, from the saddlebow. Uh, he caught her, lifted her up, and uh, looked at her face. Uh, she was dead. I suppose he went mad. Uh, he laid her again across the saddle before him and uh, rode on, reckless, the wither. Horse and man and maiden were found the next day lying at the foot of a cliff, dashed to pieces. Uh, it was observed that a hind shoe of the horse uh, was loose and broken. Whether this had been uh, the cause of his fall, he could not be told, but ever when he races, the race he will, till the day of doom along that mountainside, his gallop is uh, mingled with the clank of the loose and broken shoe, for like the sin, the punishment is awful. He shall carry about for ages the phantom body of the girl, knowing that her soul is away, as sitting with the soul of his brother down in the deep ravine, or scaling with him uh, in the topmost crags, of the towering mountain peaks. Uh, there are some who, uh, from time to time, see the doomed man careening along the face of the mountain uh, with a lady hanging across the steed. And they say it always betokens a storm, such as the, this witch is now raving about us. I had not noticed till now, uh, so absorbed had I been in her tale, that the storm had risen to a very ecstasy of fury. Uh, they say, likewise, that the lady's hair is still growing. Gross. For every time they see her, it is longer than before. Gross. And that there is such is the length and the headlong speed of the horse uh, that it floats and streams up behind, like one of those uh, curved clouds, uh, like, a, like a comet's tail far up in the sky. Only the cloud is white and the, the hair is dark as night. We get it. And they say it'll go on growing until the last day when the horse will falter and her hair will gather in and the horse uh, will fall and the hair will twist and twine and wreathe itself like a mist of threads about him and blind him to everything but her. Uh, then the body will rise up within it uh, face to face with him animated by a fiend who, uh, twining her arms around him, will drag him down the bottomless pit. I'm going to put on some lip balm. Yeah, it's getting cold out. My lips are chapped and it's uh, making reading difficult when you've got dead lips. There. I may mention something which now occurred, and which had a strange effect upon the uh, my old nurse. It illustrates the uh, assertion uh, that we see around us only what is within us. Uh, marvelous things enough will show themselves to the marvelous mood. During a short lull in the storm, just as we uh, she had finished her story, we heard the uh, sound of iron-shod hooves approaching the cottage. Uh, there was no bridal way into the glen. A knock came to the door, and... On opening it, we saw an old man uh, seated on a horse with a long, slenderly filled sack lying across the saddle before him, and he said he had lost the uh, path to the storm and, seeing the light, had scrambled down to inquire his way. Uh, I perceived at once, uh, from the scared and mysterious look in the old woman's eyes, that she was persuaded uh, that this appearance had more than a little to do with the awful rider, the terrific storm, and myself, who had heard the sound of the phantom hooves. As he ascended the hill, he looked after him, and 
with a wide and pale but unshrinking eyes, then turn in, shut, and lock the door behind her, as uh, by a natural instinct. After uh, two or three of her significant nods, accompanied by the compression of her lips, uh, she said, uh, He need not uh, think to take me in, wizard, as he is, with his disguises. Uh, I can see him through them all. Uh, Duncan, my dear, when you, when you suspect anything, do not be so incredulous. Uh, this human demon is, of course, a wizard still, and knows how to make himself, as well as anything he touches, take uh, quite a different appearance from a real one. Uh, only every appearance must bear some resemblance, however distant, to the natural form. Uh, the man you saw at the door? No, he's a phantom of which I've been telling you. Uh, what he is after now, of course, I cannot tell, but you must keep a bold heart and a firm and wary foot as you go home tonight. Uh, I showed some surprise, I do not doubt, and perhaps uh, some fear as well, uh, but I only said, uh, how do you know him, Margaret? Now, I can hardly tell you, she replied, but I do know him. I think he hates me. Often, uh, of a wild night, where there is moonlight, uh, enough by fits, I see him tearing around this little valley, uh, just on top of the edge, oh, all around, the lady's hair and the horse's mane and the tail driving far behind, and uh, mingling, vaporous, with the stormy clouds. About he goes uh, in a wild, careering, careering gallop, now lost as the moon goes in, invisible far around when he looks out again, an uh, airy pale gray specter, for which few eyes but mine could see. For as far as I am aware, no one of the family but myself has ever possessed the double gift of seeing and hearing both. In this case, I can hear no sound except now and then a, a clank from the broken shoe, but I did not mean to tell you that I had ever seen him. I am not a bit afraid of him. He cannot do more than he may. Uh, his power is limited, uh, else ill enough uh, would he work, uh, the miscreant. Uh, but, said I, uh, what is all this uh, terrible as it is to do with the fright uh, you took at my telling you that I had heard the sound of the broken shoe? Uh, surely you're not afraid of only a storm. I uh, know, my boy, I fear no storm. But the fact is that the sound is seldom heard, and never, as far as I know, by any of the blood of that wicked man, without betoking some ill to one of the family. Oh, and most probably to the one who hears it, uh, I am not quite sure about that. Only some evil it does portend, although a long time may elapse before it shows itself. I have a hope it may mean someone else other than you. Oh, don't wish that, I replied. I know no one better be able to hear it than I am, and I hope, uh, whatever it may be, that I only shall have to meet it. It must surely be something serious to be so foretold. It can hardly be uh, connected with my disappointment in being compelled to be a pedagogue instead of a soldier. Oh, do not trouble yourself about that, Duncan, replied she. A soldier you must be. The same day you told me of the clank of the broken horseshoe, I saw you return wounded from battle and fall fainting from the horse on the streets of the great city. Only fainting, thank God. But I have particular reasons for being uneasy at your hearing of that boating sound. Uh, can you tell me the day of your birth? No, I replied. It seems very odd when I think of it, but I really don't even know that day. Uh, nor anyone else, which is stranger still, she answered. Uh, how does that happen, nurse? Uh, we were in a terrible anxiety about your mother at the time. Uh, so ill was she, after you were just born, in a strange, unaccountable way, uh, that you lay almost neglected for more than an hour. In the very act of giving birth to you, she seemed to have 
rest around her to be out of her mind. So wildly did she talk. Uh, but I knew better. I knew that she was fighting some evil power. I am what power it was. I knew full well. For twice during her pains, I heard the click of the horseshoe. Uh, but no one could help her. After her delivery, she lay as if in a trance, neither dead nor at rest, but as, as if frozen to ice and consciousness of it all the while. Once more, heard the terrible sound of the iron, and at the moment your mother started from her trance, screaming, I'm a child, I'm a child. We suddenly became aware that no one had attended to the child and rushed to the place where he lay wrapped in a blanket. Uncovering him, isn't she talking about the guy? She's, all right, talking about him like a third person, as if it's a different baby. We found him in the back of the, black in the face, uh, and sparted with dark sparts, sparts, oh God, spotted with dark spots upon the throat. I thought he was dead. But with a great and almost hopeless pains, we succeeded in making him breathe, and he gradually recovered. But his mother continued dreadfully exhausted. It seemed as if she had spent her life for the child's defense and birth. That was you, Duncan, my dear, like he couldn't tell throughout the whole story. I was in a constant attendance upon her uh, about a week after your birth, as near as I can guess, just in the gloaming. I heard yet again the awful clank. Well, only once. Nothing followed till about uh, midnight. Your mother slept, and you lay asleep beside her. I sat by the bedside. A horror fell upon me uh, suddenly. Though I neither saw nor heard anything, yeah, your mother started from her sleep with a cry, which sounded as if it uh, came from far away. Oh, out of a dream, and did not belong to this world. My blood curdled with fear. She sat up in bed with eyes starting wide and uh, half-open rigid lips. And feeble as she was, thrust her arms straight out before her uh, with great force. Her hands open and lifted up uh, with palms outward. The whole action uh, was of uh, violent repelling another. Uh, she began to talk wildly as she had done before you were born. But uh, though I seemed to hear and understand it all the time, I could never call a word of it afterwards. It was as if I had listened to it while half asleep. I attempted to, to, to soothe her, putting my arms around her, and she seemed quite unconscious of my presence, and my arms seemed powerless upon the fixed muscles of hers. Not that I tried to constrain her, uh, for I knew that a battle was going on for some kind of another, and my interference might do awful mischief. Uh, I only tried to comfort and encourage her. Oh, all the time I was in a state of indescribable cold and suffering, uh, whether more bodily or mental, I could not tell. But at length I heard yet again the clank of the shoe. A sudden peace seemed to fall upon my mind. Uh, or was it a warm, odorous wind hmm, that filled the room? Eh, your mother dropped her arms and uh, turned feebly toward her baby. She saw uh, that he slept a blessed sleep. She smiled uh, like a glorified spirit. And fell back exhausted on the pillow, and I went to the other side of the room to get a cordial. Uh, when I returned to the bedside, I saw her once uh, that she was uh, dead. Her face smiled still, with an expression of the uttermost bliss. Nurse ceased, trembling as overcome by recollection, and I was too much moved and awed to speak. At length, resuming the conversation, she said, uh, you see, there's no wonder, Duncan, my dear, if after all this I should find uh, when I wanted to fix the date of your birth, I could not determine the day uh, or the hour when it took place. All was confusion in my poor brain, uh, but it was strange that no one else could, any more than I. 
One thing I could tell you about it, uh, as I carried you across the room to lay you down, for I assisted at your birth, I happened to look out the window. Uh, that I saw, what I did not forget, although I did not think of it again uh, for, till for many years after, a bright star was shining on the very tip of the thin crescent moon. Oh, then, said I, is it possible to determine the day and the hour at which my birth took place? Uh, see a good book of learning, replied she. Uh, when you work it out, or just let me know, my dear, that I may remember it. Oh, that I will. A silence. Some moments followed. Margaret resumed. Eh, I'm afraid you'll laugh at my foolish fancies, Duncan, but in thinking over all these things, you may suppose I often do. Lying awake in my lonely bed, the notion, well, that's telling right there, her lonely bed. She's a lonely old lady. The notion sometimes comes to me, uh, what if my Duncan uh, be the youth whom his wicked brother hurled into the ravine? Uh, come again in a new body to live out his life cut short by his brother's hatred? Hmm? If so, his persecution of you and your mother for your sake is easy to understand. Oh, and if so, you will never be able to rest till you find your fare. Wherever she may have been born on the face of the earth, uh, for born she must be. Long ere now for you to find. I misdoubt me much. However, if you will find her without great conflict and suffering between, for the powers of darkness uh, will be against you, though I have uh, good hope that you will come at last, and you must forgive the fancies of a foolish old woman, my dear. I will not try to describe these strange feelings, and almost sensations, that rose in me while listening to these extraordinary utterances, lest it should be supposed I was ready to believe all that Margaret narrated or concluded. I could not uh, help doubting her sanity, but no more could I help feeling uh, peculiarity moved by her narrative. Peculiarly moved by her narrative. Wow, I really messed that word up. And it's not a hard word. It's a pretty common one. few more words uh, were spoken on either side, but after receiving renewed exhortations uh, to carefulness on the way home, I said goodbye to dear old nurse. I considerably comforted, I must confess, that I was not doomed to be a tutor all my days, for I never questioned the truth of that vision and its consequent prophecy. I went out into the midst of the storm, into the alternating throbs of blackness and radiance, now the possessor of no more room than what my body filled, and now isolated in the worldwide space. And the Thunder seemed to follow me, bellowing after me as I went. Absorbed in the story I had heard, I took my way, as I thought, homewards. The whole country was well known to me, I should have said before that night, that I could have gone home uh, blindfolded. Whether the lightning bewildered me or made me take a false turn, I cannot tell, for the hardest thing to understand in intellectual as well as moral mistakes is how we come to go wrong. But after wandering for some time... Uh, plunged in meditation and with no warning whatsoever to the presence of inimical powers, a brilliant lightning flash showed me that at least I was not near home. The light was prolonged for a second or two by a slight electric pulsation, and uh, by that I distinguished a wide space of blackness on the ground in front of me. Once more wrapped in the folds of a thick darkness, I dared not move. Suddenly occurred to me uh, what the blackness was and whether I had wandered. It was a huge quarry of great depth, long disused and half filled with water. 
I knew the place perfectly. A few more steps would have carried me over the brink. I stood still, waiting for the next flash, uh, that I might be quite sure of the way I was about to take before I ventured to move. While I stood, I fancied I heard a, a single hollow plunge in the black water far below. When the lightning came, oh, I turned and took my path in another direction. After walking for some time across the heath, I fell. Uh, the fall became a roll. Down a steep declivity, I went over and over, arriving at the bottom uninjured. Another flash uh, soon showed me where I was, in the hollow valley, within a couple of hundred yards from the nurse's college. Cottage. <laughs> I made my way toward it. There was no light in it, except for the feelless glow from the embers of the peat fire. Uh, she's a bed, I said to myself, and I will not disturb her. Yet something drew me toward the little window. I looked in. At first, I could see nothing. At length, as I kept gazing, I saw something, indistinct in the darkness, like an outstretched human form. By this time, the storm had lulled. The moon had uh, been up for some time and had been quite concealed by the tempestuous clouds. Now, however, these had begun to break up, and while I stood looking into the cottage, they scattered away from the face of the moon, and a faint vapory gleam of her light entering the cottage through a window opposite at which I stood uh, fell distinctly on the face of my old nurse as she lay on her back outstretched upon chairs pale as death with her eyes closed oh the light fell nowhere but on her face a stranger to her habits would have thought that she was uh, dead uh, but she had so much of the appearance uh, she had on a former occasion that I concluded at once she was in one of her uh, trances, uh, but having often heard that persons in such a condition ought not to be disturbed, and uh, feeling quite sure she knew best how to manage herself, I turned, though reluctantly, and left the lone cottage behind me in the night, with the death-like woman lying motionless, motionless in the midst of it. I found my way home without any further difficulty and went to bed, where I soon fell asleep, thoroughly wearied more by the mental excitement I had been experiencing uh, than by uh, the amount of bodily exercise I had gone through. My sleep was tormented with awful dreams, yet, strange to say, I awoke in the morning refreshed and fearless. The sun was shining through the chinks in my shutters, which had been closed because of the storm and was making streaks and bands of golden brilliancy upon the wall I had dressed and completed my preparations long before I heard the steps of the servant who came to call me. What a wonderful thing waking is. The time of ghostly moonshine passes by, and the great positive sunlight comes. A man who dreams and knows that he is dreaming thinks he knows what waking is, but knows it so little that he mistakes, one after another, many a vague and dim change in his dream for an awakening. Uh, when the true awakening comes at last, this is confusing, he is filled and overflowed with the power of its reality. So likewise, one who, in the darkness, lies waiting for the light about to be struck, and trying to conceive with all the force of his imagination, uh, what the light will be like is yet when the reality flames up before him, seized as if by a new and unexpected thing, different from and beyond all his imaginings, period. Oh my god, that was a long, that was a really long sentence. All commas. He feels as if the darkness were cast to an infinite distance behind him. So it shall be with us when we wake from this dream of life into the truer life beyond. 
and find all of our present motions uh, being thrown back into a dim, vapory region of dreamland, where yet we thought we knew, and whence we looked forward into the present. This must be what Novalis means when he says, Our life is not a dream, but it may become a dream, and perhaps ought to become one. And so I look back upon the strange history of my past, sometimes asking myself, "Eh, Can it be that all this has really happened to the same me who am now thinking about it in doubt and wonderment? Well, that wasn't scary. I don't even know what the hell happened. Uh, guy's going to leave his childhood home and goes to the old nurse and says, uh, that story you were going to tell me, you kept telling me you're going to wait my whole life, and so now you're going to tell it to me now. And she says, okay, and it's a long rambling story involving old Scotsmen who uh, apparently loved their cousin, and everybody dies. And then it's a lot of talk about the ghost of the one clanking hoof running around. And then then the big long story about how this guy's mom died after birth in dramatic ways. And then uh, thinks, I was always wondering if you were the guy that come back and reincarnated. And then he walks home in a storm, which is stupid, almost dies, then rolls down a hill, goes back to look at the nurse who is suddenly in a trance, which is something that she's always done. Or maybe dead, we don't know. And then he goes home, and he goes to bed. Has a tough time sleeping, and then wakes up talking a big, long speech about how life is a dream, and to truly wake up. And I don't know what the hell happened. So I guess he died? Maybe when he woke up from his dream, it was a dream of life? But maybe you were dreaming. I don't know. I don't get it. This whole thing was frustrating. It's a horrible way to kick off my October of scary stories. Uh, I would like to personally apologize to you, the listener, that I read that thing. And this is a guy whose work has changed the lives of so many other authors. Uh, Well, with that, uh, I will talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.